I've listened to Mother by In This Moment for years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Hey, welcome to Mixtober! Hey everybody and welcome back to Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, that's Connor, and it's still Mixtober. It is, indeed. I really, and actually everybody seemed to really like our last episode about Ice Nine Kills and the Silver Scream. Lots of good feedback about the movies. It's funny, we're usually ahead uh, enough that we're not able to talk about the feedback from the most recent episode in the next episode, but here we are. (laughs) Well, Mixtober's been a busy month. So, I do have to make a correction, though. One of the movies that I really dogged on was The Crow, and I guess I got it wrong. The Crow is not about a dead guy who turns into a crow. The Crow brings him back from the dead. Mmm. Uh-huh, yeah. You know what wouldn't have happened last episode if uh, you stuck to what you asked for? What? You wouldn't have gotten that wrong because I would have had the synop- yeah, I would have had the synopsis, so... You know, you've done it to yourself. Well, you might have gotten it wrong, too. Then it would have been me giving the official spin at retraction. That's why I looked up everything on my own to protect you. Mm, I didn't ask for your protection. <laughs> you got it anyway. Hey, uh, so this week we're sticking with the same kind of creepy Halloween album theme. Indeed. This time, it's not as heavy metal. It's a little more like... But still heavy. It's still metal. It's still metal. Yeah. It's just not as, as screamy, maybe. It's not screamo. It's still heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, sometimes more than others. Yes. But the album we're talking about today is Mother by In This Moment. In This Moment is a band that I kind of found out of the blue one day. Actually, from hearing a track on this album. Interesting. I found them out yeah, of the Yeah, and red. I picked it up and ran with it. What? <laughs> There's a dumb joke. Move on. <laughs> what did you say? I said interesting because I found them out of the red because you said you found them out of the blue. Oh, yeah, that was... <laughs> it was a dumb joke. I told you, move on, but you you insisted, so here we I are. I insisted. It's true. Should have heeded my warning. Right. So In This Moment is a band that I frankly didn't know much about when I heard this album, and honestly... Never bothered to look into much and still didn't know much about until uh, we started this podcast and planned this episode. So now I know a little bit and I can teach you. And hopefully I do better than I did teaching you about The Crow last week. (laughs) One can only hope. One can only hope. And that one should be you. So here are the facts. In This Moment is a Los Angeles-based goth metal band. They started out under the name Dying Star back in 2005. I think Dying Star is a cooler name. I have to agree. Yeah, I think Dying Star is a cooler name. I don't know if it fits the music as well, but it's cooler. (gasps) But that was about a year after lead singer Maria Brink and guitarist Chris Howarth crossed paths. It didn't take long for them to pivot that name, actually, into In This Moment. They really changed it very quickly. Despite Dying Star being better. And then they picked up a couple extra members to fill out the lineup. Those members would rotate in and out. This is another band that had a lot of lineup changes. Actually, Maria Brink and Chris Howarth have been the only members around for the band's entire lifespan so far. Since 2016, and in 2020, of course, when they put out Mother, the lineup has been pretty steady, and that includes bassist and singer Travis Johnson, drummer Kent Dimmel, and rhythm guitarist and vocalist Randy Weitzel. So that's In This Moment, formerly known as Dying Star. I think their style, honestly, is pretty unique to most of the things we've talked about so far. It's metal, but not in the same kind of way, obviously, that the Theatrical Ice Nine Kills was, or that Avenged Sevenfold was, or that any of the other harder rock acts that we've touched has been. Kind of a little more intense in some ways. You know, we gotta dip into it for Halloween, right? They've got this goth imagery kind of going on. 
And they really lean into that. Their stage shows incorporate a lot of striking and shocking and really immersive imagery. They do a lot of heavy stage makeup. And the music videos also parallel that trend too. Their metal umbrella kind of covers a, a bunch of appropriate subgenres for them that you know you might consider to include industrial metal, metalcore, new metal, screamo, arena rock, and more things like that. They kind of really have this big scope underneath the metal umbrella, right? And they aren't necessarily pigeonholed into one style of metal music necessarily. Under my metal umbrella, umbrella, hey, hey. Well, that's definitely not a metal song. <laughs> Under my metal umbrella. I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> Listen, I'm just listening to your feedback. What was my feedback? That you you often needed? complain I don't uh, chime in enough during this section. It feels like it's just you monologuing. It does feel like that sometimes. So here I am. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> there you are. Thank you for your contribution. I'll put that one in my back pocket. In this moment, cites bands like Black Sabbath, Metallica, Judas Priest, Nirvana, Iron Maiden, Pantera, Motley Crue, and more as pretty major influences on their sound and style and attitude. Queen Elizabeth I, Mother Nature. These are other people that uh, the mixtaper says he saw uh, were cited as inspiration. Oh, okay. I was kind of on a band track, and then you went and took it in a different direction with Queen Elizabeth I. Okay. I mean, maybe she inspired their music. She seems more like an inspirer of the attitude. Yeah, probably, but... Mm -hmm. But you're right, actually. I mean, as far as Earth goes and Mother Nature, this album draws a lot of inspiration from nature and natural themes, which is interesting because sometimes that gets lost as you listen to it. We'll get there. So they started out way back in the day, 2005. You know, they started out like a lot of bands do. They built up a local fan base. They put in all kinds of work to be discoverable and get the word out. And then one day, all that paid off when their MySpace page caught the attention of Ozzy Osbourne's bass player, who took on the role as the band's manager. Nice. They hopped on board the crazy train. Best train to be on. Seems like it. After that, they subsequently signed a pretty comprehensive record contract with Century Media Records, which is a part of Sony nowadays. They put out their first official album in 2007, and they started touring and playing festivals, appearing alongside acts like Rob Zombie, who we've recently discussed, uh, Megadeth, Ozzy Osbourne, of course, and many more. Believe it or not, they actually even appeared on the very same 2009 Warp Tour that Ice Nine Kills was a part of. And actually, Dance Gavin Dance and Anthony Green's Sousen were also on the lineup that year. It's just that Anthony Green wasn't with the band at that time. Anyway, my point is that Warp Tour was a big spin it year. 2009, lots of spin it alternative artists on the Vans Warp Tour. They did it all for us. They knew. Yeah, they knew. They knew we'd be coming along. They said, wow, in 13 years, the spin it audience is really going to get a kick out of this. Do you have Squirrel held hostage next to you right now? Well, because I knew how many years it's been since 2009. Yeah, you just you nailed that one. No hesitation. I can only assume you cheated. No, the squirrels work for us. The math department works for us. I don't have to hold them hostage. Pretty certain they're uh, they're off the clock right now. The audience doesn't know what time it is. True for the audience, it's whatever time they are listening to it. Yeah, it's a Friday morning. We're time travelers in that regard. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but no. <laughs> the popularity from all those festivals and touring and stuff, that was enough to send their sophomore album all the way up to number 73 on the Billboard 200. Ooh. That success and that trajectory of growth just continued, and uh, 
Honestly, it kept them going through the next decade, too. As far as awards go, in 2013 and 2015, Loudwire called Maria Brink the, quote, Rock Goddess of the Year, and in this moment also picked up a Hard Rock Artist of the Year nomination in 2017, and they were nominated for two Alternative Press Music Awards in 2017 for Best Hard Rock Artist and Best Live Band. And most recently, they picked up a 2021 Grammy nomination for Best Metal Performance for the song The In-Between. We will discuss momentarily. Interesting. Yeah, could be interesting. This week, we're talking about Mother. It's In This Moment's seventh studio album, and it came out just two and a half years ago, late March 2020. The band actually worked on this album for two years. They teased that it was in the works as early as 2018. And to promote the album, they went on tour with Disturbed in 2019. Nice. That's a band I know because you introduced me to Disturbed. Oh, did I really? Absolutely. Yeah, you said you need to listen to Disturbed, and I put them on the albums of the month list. Really? Right around the time I listened to this, I think. I didn't realize I'd introduce you to them. Yeah, you did. Congratulations. But that point is when they teased a handful of singles. In 2018, they started to tease singles from this album and you know, test them out on tour. Their post-release tour was slated to be even bigger. They were going to go out with Raven Black, Dead, and Black Veil Brides. But of course, as this album came out in late March 2020, that tour did not get to happen. COVID kind of shut that down. And uh, Mother actually features the contributions of five additional musicians and seven producers. Took a lot of people to get this album done. It actually ended up being a pretty successful project. Mother peaked at number two on the U.S. hard rock and rock album charts, and it broke the top 100 on various charts in eight different countries. It ended the year in the 48th spot on the U.S. top hard rock album charts, too. So, it's the charter. A pretty standout hard rock album, honestly, from its time period and its sphere of influence. So, that's fun. That is fun. You know what else is fun? Uh, I think I know where you're going with this, and I think I have plenty of examples on record of it not being fun. Oh, I know, right? Downhill sledding can be dangerous. But it could be a lot of fun, too. And I have plenty of examples on record. (laughs) Please give us one. Insert record now. You don't have a bad downhill sledding story? Uh, uh, well, I was just, you know, I was a, this, that was a note to the editing department to insert to one of the many, of one of my many records that exist of it. Just okay. Insert it yeah. here. You know, they're all documented. All your sledding incidents. Well, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry you've had such bad luck with it. All right. So, well, this, this bit really went sideways. I, I feel like I set up a nice little transition. A little bit fun to talk about. And you really just derailed us with sledding. Well, I was planning to go sledding from the beginning, but then you derailed me by doing the whole plenty of examples of it going poorly thing why the heck were you gonna go sledding because it's fun but you're right on a much more real note factor spin is a lot of fun yeah and it is time to play some factor spin how'd you do last week i don't remember it's been so long (laughs) it's been a week Last week, I did not do well. Last week, for the second week in a row, I went one and three. Oof. I got one right, and then I missed three. Last week was gross. We had some some yucky facts last week. Yeah, you're not having a good Mixtober. You're 0 for 2 on Mixtober weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. We'll see if this week is any better. We will indeed. Let's get them on out here. Him being the mixtaper? Uh, yeah. That's what I thought. Just checking to make sure. Hey, it's me. Hey, it's you. The mixtaper. Mixtoba. Week three. I feel myself becoming more powerful. Well, 
I mean, yeah, it is week three, but Tina Turner, once again, very loose Mixtober tie-in. You called it Mixtober. That's your own fault. That's true. You're right. I did. So anyway, um, yeah, Mixtober week three. I'm curious to see what you've got going on this week. Oh, it's been a while since we had, we've had a themed episode. I guess it has. That's <laughs> true. I mean, 63. It's been four episodes since we did a themed episode. You did a theme <laughs> for Blondie with all of her close encounters. Yeah, you know, four episodes. It's a whole month ago. It's been such a long time. The longest and so we're back with some Halloween spookables this week. What? Like a Lunchable, but scarier? That, that was, No, that was more of a Winnie the Pooh reference. What? Winnie the Pooh. Have you ever seen Winnie the Pooh's uh, Halloween spooktacular? I don't think it's called that, but that's what I'm going to call it. I've seen the thing with the heffalumps and the woozles. No, no, this is their like, Halloween special with the spookables. No, it just, it, again, sounds like a Lunchable, but scary. I've never seen the Winnie the Pooh Halloween special. Oh, it's wonderful. What on earth is this factor spin about to be? It was a Halloween tradition in my, it, growing up as a little wee mixtaper lad. You watched a lot of Winnie the Pooh Halloween specials? Yeah, every Halloween. some Multiple times, usually. Interesting. I didn't know that about you. It's a classic. Classic. Okay, well, then I guess we're in for a classic round of Factor Spin to match. Yes, with our first one. Uh, she's always ready to fight a demon. She being Maria Brink. Oh, yes, Maria Brink. Yes. Is always ready to fight a demon. Yeah. Fight a demon how? Like, physically? Or does she, like, carry things to ward off demons all the time? The, that one. Okay, the second one. What does she use to ward off demons? She never goes anywhere without some sage and a tiger's eye. Is the tiger's eye like a special kind of crystal or gemstone? I assume you're not talking about like the actual eye of a giant jungle cat. It's a gem that is known to ward off witchcraft. Okay. Has she ever had to fight a demon? No, no, not yet. Uh, uh, She said she came close. Oh, yeah? Do tell. What was the close encounter? <laughs> she felt a demonic presence backstage of one of the, uh, the performances, but it, it quickly left. Nothing came of it. My guess, as a mixtaper, not any, you know, don't factor this into your fact, this is just my guess. Uh, uh-huh. The, the demon could sense that she was ready to fight, you know? Primed and ready to go. It's one of those things that because she's always prepared, the demons just kind of avoid her. They go find people not as well prepared to, to pick fights with. Right. Yeah, pick on the weak. Exactly, because they're cowards. But... I thought she didn't start preparing for demon fights until after this happened. No, no, no. So when when and why did she start preparing to fight demons? Just in case? Just in case, yeah. Like learning karate? No, just just in case. Are there different levels of demon fighting? Like, can I be a black belt in demon fights? Well, yeah, I think if you just have the sage, you know, you're somewhat prepared. But then when you get that tiger's eye, it like levels you up. And I'm sure there's probably another level. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, she just does this just in case she ever has to fight a demon. She wants to be prepared, like the Boy Scouts. Yeah, I mean, I'm not inclined to believe that would necessarily help you stand much of a chance against a demon, but really, I don't know. It's known to ward off demonic presences and witchcraft. It's a tiger's eye. How much more prepared can you be? Is it known to? I guess there is this caveat in front of the word known that says supposedly known to ward off witchcraft and demons, but you know. Well, I... I guess I'm going to supposedly say this is a fact. Mm. I just kind of figure, you know, this band leans heavily into the occult imagery kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I could see this being a thing. It's Mixtober. I'll I'll say this is a fact. Ah, well, you are supposedly 
Wrong. This is a spin. Oh, man. Not off to a great start once again. Yes. So is she just unprepared to fight a demon? Or is she only ready to fight a demon sometimes? Yeah, yeah. that's pretty That's pretty much what I'm telling you. I'm, as far as I am aware, she is unprepared to fight a demon. But maybe that's what she wants the demons to think. Oh, you're right. <laughs> maybe she is ready, but in secret. We know they pick on the weak, so she keeps it a secret. She wants to appear weak, so she yeah. can show people how well she can fight demons. Exactly. It's really a smart strategy. Strategy. I'm like, bravo. Are you ready to fight a demon? Some might say I am a demon. Would they? Yeah. Okay. Well, what's your second fact? I really got to shape up. <laughs> no, no, I, I quite like where you're at. You're the perfect shape. Shape down. Don't shape up, <laughs> shape down. Well, we'll see which direction I'm trending after this fact. <laughs> Supposed fact. She tried to catch the Loch Ness Monster. I'm amazed, actually, now that you say that. I'm amazed that it took 67 episodes for Nessie to appear in this podcast. (laughs) We've had aliens. We've had, you know, costumes and stories and movie cameos and ghosts. But we've never had a Nessie. No, we've never had a Nessie. Until now. How does one go about trying to catch the Loch Ness Monster? Do you get a really big net? Well, first you gotta go to Scotland. Sure. Naturally, the first step is to arrive at Loch Ness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, um, I don't know what the best method is, but these people used a fishing pole. You wanted to fish Nessie out. (laughs) Yeah, as one does. That doesn't seem wise. Like that, Even if you got a bite, you're probably letting go of your fishing pole. Yeah. It probably is pretty strong. Yeah, I tend to agree. What kind of bait do you put on a fishing pole <laughs> when you're hoping to attract like a, a prehistoric dinosaur? Well, everyone knows, obviously, that Nessie's favorite meal is a lamb chop. Okay, well, that honestly, I've heard about Nessie sightings in fields where shepherds are. <laughs> Nessie comes out and eats a sheep or something. So, yeah, I guess that's plausible. So, I'm tying a lamb chop to a fish hook. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm tossing it in the lake. Oh, yeah. How how long am I sitting out there before I decide to go home? Uh, until the lamb chop uh, gets a bite, obviously. But would you even feel it? If, like, a fish, a normal-sized fish just bit a lamb chop? Oh, they felt it. Was it a big bite? Oh, yeah, it was a big old bite. Are you, are you trying to convince me that they think they got a Nessie bite on their lamb chop? They're pretty confident it was a Nessie bite. Having zero evidence, what else could it have been? (laughs) I don't know. A scuba diver who had a good (laughs) sense of humor. Scuba diver that was a little hungry, forgot his lunch that day. Yeah. (laughs) Saw a nice juicy lamb chop. (laughs) How convenient. A lamb chop. Just yank on this. So they didn't see anything. They only felt a tug on the pole. So the pole like bent really far over and the water started to like, I guess churn is the way they describe it, but, uh, you know, like get all unsettled Mm -hmm. and then the line went loose and the lamb chop was gone. So something big took it. That's really suspicious. I don't know if I believe that story. Okay. And I also don't know if I believe that she tried to catch the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. What what inspired her to give this a shot? So yeah, that's, that was actually where I was going to start the story and we really dove into the weeds quickly. And we did. So she was on a trip to Scotland with some of her friends. Okay. While out sightseeing, they saw an advertisement for a boat trip to go out onto the lake and try to capture old Nessie. Mm, That does seem reasonable. Like if I were in Scotland and I was offered the chance to go to Loch Ness or if I had the opportunity. With a lamb chop, I absolutely would. (laughs) Yeah, it seems irresistible. But uh, am I telling the truth? I guess that's what you got to decide. I don't think this really happened. I agree. It definitely didn't happen, but that doesn't mean I'm telling the lie. (laughs) That's true. 
You've told me so many spins in Mixtober. I have. I mean, in the last two episodes, you've said one fact. I think this one has to be a fact, right? I mean, it doesn't have to. That's the game. (laughs) I know you say that every time, but this one is so unbelievable. I do think this one seems so fake that it has to be true. Locking in fact. I guess so. This is a spin. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Yes, my power grows. I'm shaping down. I'm shaping down. Shape down. Shape down. Oh, no. Oh, love it. Did that happen to anybody? Did you just make that up from scratch? Uh, no, I just I made that up. I made that all up. Darn. I like the lamb chop thing. Oh, man. All right. The worst I can do is 50-50. I feel better. Yeah, I feel worse because in the other episodes this month, I've started with a win and mm. I've been able to like not have as much pressure. Mm. This could very realistically be a shutout. It could be. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. With our next supposedly true fact, they met a little green friend. And by they, I mean Brink. Okay. A little green friend from Earth? Who's to say? Well, I don't know. We've had frog armies before. <laughs> Fair enough. This is supposedly not... A little green friend from Earth. Okay, so you're talking like an alien then. Uh, that is what they would be called, correct? Well, I just don't know why you've... Phrased it as a little green friend? You phrased it so weirdly, yeah. You will find out. (laughs) So what were they doing when they met this extraterrestrial? They were outside their hotel room. Okay, like outside in a hallway or outside like on a balcony? No, no, like outside the, like in the street, in the alley, like next to the hotel. Okay, because it would be really weird. Like one thing to see an alien on the balcony. (laughs) Just you walk outside your hotel room into the hallway it's just there yeah he's it's like, like oh this is awkward into the room next to you like trying to do the room key yeah it's like hey can you give me a hand with this yeah i can't quite get it you have to come over and be like no slower slower and kind of grab their hand and guide it but then your hands linger and there's this weird eye contact and there's this connection that forms and you just know that you're meant to be together and then you well, that sounds like a little more than a little green friend <laughs> And you go on wild space adventures together. Right, so it wasn't that, what you just said. No, it wasn't that. No. (laughs) So it's outside in the alley. (laughs) Way different circumstances to meet an alien. (laughs) Was it walking around? Did it come down from a UFO? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it came down, but she saw it from its UFO. Oh, Okay, so it was just up there. Yeah. Just flying around. So how did they meet then? Oh, it was just like, when I say metal little green friend, that's me just being more like she saw an alien. Okay. <laughs> you just wanted to mix it up. Yeah. We've already had a fact that said she saw an alien, so this is different. Yeah, exactly. What'd she do? <laughs> she waved hi? Did she tell people about it? Did she make contact? She has no memory of what happened after she saw the bright light and the whirling wind. So... You're talking like, I mean, a bright light and a whirling wind sounds akin to a lot of alien abduction stories. Yeah. Well, she doesn't know what happened over the next 20 minutes, but somehow made it back into the hotel lobby. Interesting. Interesting indeed. This one's got to be a spin. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it could be. I know, but well, but I'm saying this one's a spin. I'm always really skeptical of the alien facts. You are. No other questions? I don't think I have any other questions. Should I have one? Don't know. It's up to you. You didn't ask where this happened. I have that information. Well, I guess. Where did this happen? Uh, while on tour in 2017 in Tacoa, Georgia. Mm. That was the only other information I had. Oh, well, that doesn't seem to change my answer. I think I'm sticking with spin. No, I didn't figure it would. It's just I really wanted to say it since I had it. You know, I hate to leave information unused. Sure. I don't think this is true. This is. How mad would you be when I if I said fact right now? It would be a little... <laughs> 
tough to swallow. Well, swallow easy, my friend. This is a spin. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I never know what to think about alien facts because I don't mean to like... Well, what's great about it is they're so subjective because I, I'm not saying that the alien story itself is true. I'm just saying that they believe it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's always a, a crapshoot because with a band like this, I yeah. I don't know. Like the fighting a demon and the line, like this is all very mm. like believable, which is kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to pick this band in this album for Mixtober anyway because we've got a lot of halloween facts yep yep got one more for you classic four thank goodness it's not a classic shutout yeah yeah unfortunately let's see if you can pull back the 50 50 see if i can return to size (laughs) (laughs) they met a little green friend yeah so (laughs) so this is a different fact just want to confirm you did not hit the skip back button on your podcast player no we're still moving forward still moving forward now was this one a little green friend from earth uh, I think it depends on your school of thought. I think in most cases, yes. Interesting thing that you just said. <laughs> what does that mean? It feels like a yes or no. It depends. I, I think there's different origin stories. Origin stories? What is this like? Like some lizard that maybe evolved from an alien? What are you talking about? I don't know. I think you should just keep asking questions until you figure it out. I think that'll be more fun. Well, that's not fun for me. So this green friend was an animal then? No. No. A plant? No. I guess humans are animals, so I guess yes to the animal question. Okay, so this was a human. Uh, in a way, yeah. I guess they're considered... Do I, I, I don't know if they're considered human or if they're like their own species. I don't know. They're humanoid. Let's put it that way. Okay. Humanoid? Yeah. Is this like a cryptid? Are you talking about like she met a mermaid or, or like a chupacabra? I don't know what you're getting at here. Nope. No mermaids. No chupacabras. They just meet the jolly green giant? <laughs> Kermit the Frog? Like what happened? Oh, Kermit the Frog is about the right size. Okay. Well, that fits the little part. I don't know. A C6 Smurf? <laughs> I'm running out of unreasonable guesses. You can just ask me some more details about the fact, and maybe it'll come to you. Where did she meet this friend? Outside her childhood home. Okay, was she a child when this happened? She was. She was. She was nine years old. Is this friend imaginary or real? Uh, She's pretty certain it's real. What did she do with this friend? What did they do together? Well, they didn't really do anything together. So, here, I'll give you a little bit of information. She kept finding money under the porch of her childhood home. No way. Hold on. Are you about to tell me? that she met a leprechaun that's exactly what i'm telling you she's met a leprechaun when she was nine years old (laughs) (laughs) told you it'd be more fun for you to guess was her childhood home at the end of a rainbow (laughs) (sighs) i love it Anyway, so she kept finding money under her porch in her childhood home, right? Yeah, sure. As one does. Yeah, as one does. And so one time while she was under there, just searching for coins, she heard a bush rustle nearby, and uh, she swears she saw a small man with a red beard and green clothes disappear through the bush. Did she follow him? I mean, that's probably your first instinct, right? Yes. She says she, when she went to investigate, no one was to be found. Well, that doesn't exactly surprise me. <laughs> what a fact. It's a good final ramp. Yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> <laughs> and a double fact. It was the same fact twice. Did she? So she didn't interact with it at all? No, no. Again, I used the word met a bit loosely. <laughs> and friend. Met and friend. And green. He just was wearing green. Whoa, he's wearing green. I think that one tracks. Mm, I just, I mean, wearing green doesn't make me green. Sure it does. does it definitely doesn't make you blue. Well, it does if you hate the color green. <laughs> <laughs> so... How did this come to light? Did she, like, go tell her mom, hey, there's a leprechaun under the porch? Did the money keep coming? Did she lose it? Like, what happened? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. 
I do not know. Okay. I think this is, I think you've gone two weeks in a row, all spins. I think I've gone all spins. Both, neither little green friend is real. Regardless of whether either little green friend was real, I don't think either of these events actually happened. Fair enough. Locking and spin. Yeah, to return to 50-50 form, hopefully. This is a spin. Oh, <laughs> you got the 50-50. Luck was with me on that leprechaun fact. Well, I knew it was going to be a hard one to get the win on with how ridiculous all of them were, but I couldn't resist. It's Mixtober. I had to go spooky. Well, I don't know if a leprechaun is necessarily... What? Like, that's a whole different holiday you're pulling from. Absolutely. No, the, no you've never seen the horror movie Leprechauns or whatever, where it's like murderous leprechauns. Does that sound like me? No, that's fair. We just did a whole episode on how few movies I've seen. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there's a whole horror movie about murderous leprechauns. Interesting. I wondered if you took some inspiration from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, <laughs> I did not, but but yeah. Well, that is, yeah, around there. Finally back to 50-50. I'm, I feel pretty good about it, even though it went 50-50. I think I had your brain just fried going, what is happening? <laughs> uh, yeah, you blitzed me with the last two there. <laughs> That was kind of a lot for you to attempt to lie about. I thought maybe I was like, maybe I get him with the first one because it's a little more believable. We've had alien facts. It's not that outrageous for somebody to think they've had this experience. And then he gets the last one because there's just no way. I said, or he gets the first one and thinks I did the first one just so he wouldn't fall for the, you know, I thought maybe I could get you with some reverse psychology either way on one of the two, but I knew it'd be impossible to get both. But instead, I got neither. You did get neither. But the the Loch Ness Monster one was fun. (laughs) Just a lot of spookables. Yeah, how is this in any way related to Winnie the Pooh? Oh, no, it's not. I just said spookables, and then I realized you want to get that reference, and I wanted to talk about it. It's not at all related. Oh, okay. It's just a reference I made. Good talk. It's not really a very themed episode. No, it was themed around all the monsters. We had demons and cryptids and leprechauns and aliens. Yeah, you're right. It was a bunch of spookables. Okay, fair enough. If you've seen the if you've seen the Wayne of the Pooh Halloween spookable movie, let me know in the comments. Let me know I'm not alone. I'm a lonely mixtaper. You might be. We will see you next week for the final week of Mixtober. I can't believe it's here already. You can extend it if you don't want it to be over. Well, no, I, I think Mixvember is probably taking it a little too far. <laughs> you know, that's kind of my catchphrase. The Mixtaper, taking things too far. <laughs> that's very true. And with that, I'm off to go buy more milk. Yeah! Okay. I guess we'll see how that goes. Welcome back, Connor. I have returned, even though I've been sitting here the whole time listening, as always. Well, I just welcome you back to the microphone. I welcome your voice back to the audience. Yes, uh, we've had th- we've had this argument in the past. I just I like to remind listeners every once in a while that I don't actually leave. That you're still here all the time. I'm always wa- I'm always watching. Monsters Inc. That's a good Halloween movie. Yeah, and it ties in with the monsters for that the mixtaper had. So there we go. Exactly. Let's talk about the album art on Mother. Eh, all right, we can do that. <sighs> I, I mean, that's kind of the way things go. Yeah, I know. It's just always the way we, things go. We've been doing this for sixty-seven episodes. Never mix it up. Yes, we do sometimes. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank you. 
This cover photo is the work of Brooke Shaden, who is a photographer. She's actually had a pretty remarkable career in the world of art. She's had five solo art exhibitions. She's had featured work in notable galleries, and one of her self-portraits even helped inspire a movie. And she put together this album cover for In This Moment, which features a bunch of ghost-looking cloaked people over top of this, like, root entanglement. And there's, like, a little thing growing in the roots. I just want to point out when you Google spookables, like the first couple links have Winnie the Pooh references in them. So it's definitely a thing. Well, I'm not arguing that the Winnie the Pooh movie is not a thing. How are we back here? (laughs) I like this album art. You know, it kind of starts to point us in the direction of some of the album's natural themes with the field and the earth and the roots kind of growing here. Yep, 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 yep. I actually quite like it a lot. Really? Sets the tone well. And it's visually aesthetic. I think so. That's true. I like the storm clouds that like are not in the middle with the light kind of coming through the middle, illuminating the... They part just right. Yeah, it's good. I think so, too. It's a very interesting album cover. And yeah, it's not boring like some of them. that We get where we're like, yep, this is the album cover. Not really a lot to say. Like, it's fun to look at. This is a picture of Tim McGraw's face. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a little bit different. A little bit more intentional. Yeah. The album opens with a little bit of... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to need you to say, let's talk about the album. I'm going to need you to do a more more robust transition. Okay. Sorry, my transition wasn't robust enough for you. Apology accepted. Go on. Let's talk about the album. Yeah. Let's spin it. See what I did there? See what I did there? That was what I had to re-backtrack for? Yeah. Yeah. I got my catchphrase. No? That's your catchphrase? You've had 67 episodes. Yeah, why not? Just well, whenever we move into the uh, this part of the thing, I can say, let's spin it. Like, let's put it on. Let's talk about it. I don't, it's a weird thing to pick up in the 67th episode. But if you want to keep doing it, go for it. No, it sounds like you hated it. It's fine. I'll just, I'll just go back. No, I, I didn't no, hate no, it. No, Let- you didn't like it. I understand. No, wait, I'm sorry. I don't mean to pull the rug out from under the things that you do that are fun for you. Crush my dreams. It's all right. Well, let's ask the people. People? You tell him that you hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) If you did. If you didn't, then then don't. Preferably if you didn't, tell me that too. Don't just say silence. (laughs) Oh, right. We'll never know. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, let's spin it. This album starts with a little bit of an intro lude, right? It's like an interlude, but an intro all wrapped into one. I like that intro lude. Yeah, I'm, I think I made that up on my own. You probably didn't. Probably someone else somewhere has used <laughs> it, but I also didn't see them do it when I said it. So, so it's re- it's legally yours, right? Yeah. I think that's what, that's what the lawyers, I think, would, would say. The spin and legal department, we'll have to consult them. <laughs> the interlude borrows some lyrics from God Is She. We won't touch that song for a little while, but they're here. The lyrics, just a little teaser. Of course, you don't know it's a teaser when you hear it the first time. No. And I knew it came back up later, like when we hit it, I was like, this, I've heard this on this album, but I don't don't remember where <laughs> yeah they sneak it in in a way that's um no offense very forgettable <laughs> like if you were trying to think where i've heard these lyrics you probably wouldn't be able to go oh that was the intro the, exactly i was like i know this was on the album and one of the other songs but i don't remember where yeah and then it rolls really really smoothly into fly like an eagle yes that was one of my notes was it blends into fly like an eagle 
quite well. Yeah, I mean, seamlessly. Fly Like an Eagle is the proper opening track, and it's a gothified cover of a Steve Miller band song, which in this moment has been playing since 2019. Now, Steve Miller and Steve McCarty wrote the song, and it's basically their interpretation of the Bible blended with inspiration from the popular Mac Davis song, In the Ghetto. Hey, hey. Uh-huh. I know someone's a big Mac Davis nice. fan. Nice. I'm like... Big Mac Davis fan, and I am firmly in the camp that Mac Davis's version of In the Ghetto better than uh, Elvis Presley's. Yeah, well, I'm... But I know I know that's a hot take. That's a hot take for all of those Elvis fans out there. But listen, the man wrote the song. He knew how it should have been performed. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I mean, you can see that influence, especially in this verse, feed the babies who don't have enough to eat and shoe the children with no shoes on their feet, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that feels very In the Ghetto inspired. Yeah. Now, the Steve Miller Band song is not exactly the same as the In This Moment cover, as you can probably imagine. But other versions of the song have been used as football anthems, promotion for the U.S. Postal Service, and more. So, Fly Like an Eagle has gotten around in various capacities. I don't know if you're very familiar with Steve Miller or the Steve Miller Band. Yes. You probably are to some degree. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, this version is it's vastly different. Yeah, and not in a good way. Mm, eh, it depends on your perspective. I think this is a good opening track for the album. It kind of gives us a scope, right? Flying like an eagle to the sea. It kind of puts us on this journey right away. Yeah, thematically it fits well on the album, but as a song, no. No? Which is sad because I really like the instrumental beat, this kind of drummed up metal version of the instrumentals. Yeah, it's a very soft metal. They could have done a lot with it, and instead they just made a cover of an already, what I would have considered a popular song, um, and it just doesn't compare. It's the first, but not the only time that they do that on this album. I was surprised when I started digging how many of these songs were covers. Mm -hmm. Fly Like an Eagle, though, despite not living up necessarily to the Steve Miller Band cover, and also maybe underselling its own potential, it is a good opening track, and I think it's one of my more favorite tracks on this album, Top Half. Really? I would probably put it there. Interesting. And and I think maybe part of the reason I like it so much is for things like the lyrics and the messaging, you know, of letting the spirit carry you through to the revolution and the in-the-ghetto-type imagery. I think that part makes this really strong, but of course that part's not in this moment. Yeah. And then after Fly Like an Eagle, um, well, we get another interlude. This is a real interlude, though. It's not a... It's not an intro. It's not an interlude. But it kind of is. To the album. Because it felt like a new start to the album. It's like, it's almost like the album started over. (laughs) Yeah. It is so, I was like, yeesh, do we really need another interlude right here? Like, we're three tracks in and have had one song. Yeah. It was almost like they couldn't decide whether or not they wanted the Red Crusade into the in-between to be the start of the album or the beginning into Fly Like an Eagle to be the start. So they're like, why not both? <laughs> why not both? <laughs> and I much prefer the Red Crusade into the in-between duo. Oh, I think I agree with that. Basically, yeah, this is really just a, a little run-up to the in-between. And it also introduces the music video. And I think, honestly, the album could do without this. Really? Uh, the music video maybe needs it to establish the shot. Sure. Yeah, but I think the Red Crusade itself oh, probably no. could just be cut as a track. Listen, if you want it, 
add it to the in-between, right? It doesn't need to be in limbo like this. Uh, no, I'm saying get rid of the beginning and just use this is what I would do. Oh, yeah, and get rid of the beginning and fly like an eagle? Uh, well, you can move fly like an eagle to somewhere else on the album. I don't really care. Sure, I get that too. But start with the Red Crusade into the in-between. I think it's the optimal start to the album rather than the beginning into fly like an eagle of all things. Well, but I just would have put Red Crusade as a part of the in-between and not made it its own thing. Yeah, to each their own. I liked it as an interlude. Still no Kevin and Barracuda, but decent enough. <laughs> Nothing's going to touch Kevin and Barracuda for you, which is weird <laughs> because everything is going to be almost better than Machine Gun Kelly's album for you. <laughs> but Kevin and Barracuda was the real diamond in the rough. They're untouchable. I guess so. E.T. and Salmon are even more untouchable. <laughs> E.T. and Salmon. All that said, though, The In-Between is up next. Track four, but really song two. <laughs> I think The In-Between is maybe one of the highlights of this album. This would maybe get my top three if I were doing such a thing. Mm, but you're not, and so you're not allowed to even mention that. Stricken from the record. Never mind. Yeah, redact it. <laughs> the In-Between is the album's first and biggest single, and for the big In This Moment fans, you might have caught a couple different allusions to their older songs like Blood, Sick Like Me, and Beautiful Tragedy, all of which get really direct shout-outs in the chorus. Basically, it's a song about being caught in between people's expectations and trying to find your own identity amidst all kinds of inner turmoil. So we kind of get this tug of war, right? Am I holy? Am I going to turn? Maybe I'm worthless. Maybe I have purpose. You know, there's a holy war within, according to the pre-chorus. And that's kind of what the whole song's trying to sort out. Yeah, this one, um, I'm torn on this one. You're in between. <laughs> yeah. I went through the song, all the way through the first chorus, and I had mixed emotions. But by the time I made it to the second chorus, I think I had solidified my feelings. Okay. I really enjoyed the lyrics and the instrumentals on this track. They're pretty good. I re- The lyrics are really good. The instrumental's awesome. But it's the way the vocal rhythms and style are delivered that it just isn't my speed i like the sound of brink's voice but when you have that like the screaming overlaid on top of it it didn't do it for me i'm not a scream i'm not a screamo guy yeah that does happen a couple times yeah the the entire chorus is uh, when they're like i'm gonna bring a little hell but then like she's doing it nice and sung like and then either herself modulated with screaming or the other guy's name uh doing it is like it's a faster pace too so it's like the rhythms don't quite line up and he's just screaming it and yeah it just didn't it just didn't do it for me yeah i like the verses and i like the idea well enough and i even like the first part of that chorus you know i'm gonna bring a little hell bring a little heaven and then the rest of the chorus does just feel like a little bit of a like a fan service piece where they don't really say much they just reference a bunch of old song titles well as somebody who doesn't know any of their other work i didn't notice that so it didn't bother me well i know i just i feel like it doesn't say much but anyway but that's just the chorus verse two really kind of brings in a little more of that like that external pressure to conform right about being told i was nothing told i was pure and then we get into this really intense self-doubt and introspective questioning. I kind of like it. You know, am I the high? Am I the low? Yeah, like I said, I like the lyrics. It's just the delivery of them. Fair enough. I do think it's a, a pretty good first original song for the album. Four tracks in. <laughs> well, hang on now. Both interludes together equal half a song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Three and a half tracks in. Yeah. <laughs> I think the in-between is all right. The next track on the album is Legacy. Indeed. This is another song that they debuted back in 2019 
And it's actually a tribute to Maria Brink's grandfather and other veterans and members of the armed forces. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Well, the song itself is a little raw and, you know. I just mean it's a nice uh, a tribute. That's, that's It's a nice, nice. gesture. Yeah. It's a nice tribute. Yeah. It is a little, like I said, pretty real. You know, walking till feet bleed and sacrificing everything and creating this legacy. I, I do like that a lot. Yeah. They said that this song is for their grandfather and their father and brothers who have all passed away. They said the song is for them and to all the selfless men and women who have served in the military and still do. We thank you for your bravery. And I think you're right. It's a pretty moving tribute. One of the lyrics says, I will dance with you till the shadows slip away. I'll lay my hands on you to ease the pain. I like that a lot. I just, I love the sound of the chorus on this one. Like the last time I talked about how I did not enjoy the chorus. I really enjoyed the delivery of the chorus on this one. Yeah, the chorus here feels kind of like what the band is all about. Yeah. Like this, this is an identity piece. I think unlike most of the other songs on this album, there's a real like substantial weight to these lyrics. I don't think we necessarily get that in a ton of other places. Yeah, I agree. This one, it lands well and it's pretty impactful. Yeah, exactly. The lyrics are just well written. There's weight to them. There's just something here that doesn't exist on several of the other tracks. Mm -hmm. And just the way the way she slides into some of the lyrics is just very wonderful. Um, The we are one reborn free. Like the it just she like slides into some of it. And it's good. The delivery's great. Yeah. Great delivery. Great delivery. Like DiGiorno. No, that's not delivery. Oh. It's DiGiorno. Oh, oh. What do you think about the last chorus? How do we feel about it? So they started off with, because we are one reborn free, right? Which which were you saying? I am you and you are me. I'll sacrifice everything instead of you sacrificed everything. Like, what do we think? that That's the line, basically. Like, what does that give to the, to the song? I think it gives some interesting stuff. Yeah, it does. Good stuff. I think the pivot like that, I mean, for you to sacrifice everything and create your own legacy is obviously kind of the tribute that this whole song pays. But then at the end to say, I'll sacrifice everything. With kind you. of like now, I'll t- like you did, I will also sacrifice everything so that you are and will always be like the, to keep your memory going, right? Like that's what that To keep your memory. Is. Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's what it's getting at. Yeah. I like it a lot too. I had to highlight that moment. Good moment to highlight. And you know what a bad moment to highlight is maybe. Okay. Track six. We will rock you. That's right. The original song, as we all know, is done by Queen, and it is a stadium rock anthem for the ages. And it may be a hot take. Maybe it's not. I think in this moment, their version of We Will Rock You may be the album's biggest misstep. Really? Biggest misstep? You don't think so? Okay. Well, I kind of lean that way. Yes. What don't you like about it? I don't like the energy. It feels way more reined in than the Queen version of We Will Rock You. It's, it's slower. I agree. It's a little less over the top. I agree. Which, I mean, I know Freddie Mercury's going to be hard to compete with. Yeah, you're not going to compete with Freddie Mercury. And secondly... That's what I mean. Well, I, I, I guess before you go off onto that, one, you're never going to compete with Freddie Mercury. And two, if you're going to try, I think the best move you can make is to just completely change up the style and don't even go for the same thing, you know? <laughs> It's true. I did wonder how much my antagonism towards this cover actually just comes from how good or irreplaceable the original is. So I think you're having the same reaction to this that I had with Fly Like an Eagle because I'm a decent fan of Fly Like an Eagle, um, the original song. So I think whereas I was kind of like, I don't really care for this. And you were like, I think it's top three for me uh, or I think it's redacted for me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're having kind of the opposite 
Uh, or the same response, just on opposite covers. Yeah, you're probably right. Now, this cover features vocal contributions from the leaders of several other metal bands, Lizzie Hale from the band Hailstorm and the Pretty Reckless's Taylor Momsen. I think they do a great job. Honestly, I think they add a lot to the song and kind of change up the flavor. So it's not just Maria Brink singing the whole time. We get a little extra perspective, a couple different voices in there. So what I really like about it, um, while we're on that line of thinking, is I really like that each verse goes to a different singer, right? They each take a verse. Mm -hmm. And then the chorus adds that person to it each time. So like the first one is just Maria Brink. And then the first chorus is just Maria Brink. Then verse two, Lizzie Hale or whatever, Uh takes that verse. So then now Maria Brink and Lizzie Hale together do the chorus. Then Taylor Momsen does their verse. And then they all come in together for the last one. So I really like the layered building. It like, it doesn't really ever build an intensity the way that you would expect the, uh, the song to do if you're a big fan of the Queen's version. But like that layered effect builds the intensity naturally, subtly. You know, without having to raise the volume or scream or uh, sing louder. Like, it just naturally builds that sense of, like, people joining in on the anthem, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's true, and I, I do like that. I like the effect that they did. Rather than just them all singing it, they they did this fun way of uh, singing the song that I quite liked. I was also quite skeptical, but I do think this was the better cover of the two between Fly Like an Eagle and We Will Rock You. Mm-hmm. I see. So we're going to have to disagree on that one. Yeah, I do think they have a lot of fun with it, which does kind of ease the blow. But I also, I just don't think it rocks me. When you get right down to it, it doesn't deliver on his one promise. Up next, though, is track seven, the title track, Mother. Title track! Yes, this song is a tribute to Maria Brink's own mothers, and actually, they sing backup vocals on the track. I saw that when I was like looking at the lyrics and everything. I thought that was cool. Well, that was really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, she says my one mother plays guitar acoustic all the time, and she's always singing. That's her thing, and she loves it. And then my other mother's very shy and has a beautiful voice, but very quiet and timid. So she said it was a big deal to get them on the track, and I think that's awesome. It's it's great to feature them like that. And thematically, this song also kind of ties this whole album together. It's kind of the linchpin with its talk of Mother Earth, right? Once again, nature themes, and then also kind of takes a women's empowerment angle that is also a very prevalent theme in a lot of places on this album this is kind of the place where those two collide i really like the full chorus sound on the word mother where like it's like all the voices coming out mother yeah and the co- chorus of course very catchy i know right the chorus is one of the best on the album so catchy maybe one of the most catchy uh, choruses especially on the i'll give you my everything i'll never let you fall for i mean first of all what a great sentiment what a great like depiction of the idea of motherhood and like parenting it's just to like make such a sacrifice such a really like complete sacrifice kind of on the same wavelength as legacy right but to give your everything and never let you fall and like it's kind of that same sentiment and i like it yeah i agree again their lyrical writing ability so far on the album quite quite good oh yeah i mean we're we're not like billy joel level or anything but it's better than a lot you know like i feel like this is to me if i scored things the way you did this would have one of my higher lyrical scores on the albums we've done they've just they're consistently good you know there's nothing necessarily i mean we've had a couple things that were like we've pointed out that were just like really really good like the legacy shift and the words and stuff but 
there's this sense of consistency about the about the quality of the lyrics. You know, a lot of albums will have really good songs. It's like, yeah, this was great. And then the rest of the album fell apart. They're decently consistent. That's I agree with you. This album is remarkably consistent, especially in its tone. Yep. Which we'll get into a little bit later. I have some thoughts about. Yeah. There is a um, notable exception to their lyrical writing ability that we will get to later. And I will point it out. But otherwise, pretty consistent. Well... Yeah, I don't think the album's guilty of this yet, necessarily. Well, a little bit on We Will Rock You. I think this album, I know I'm kind of tilting my hand early here, but it kind of tends to take itself a little too seriously for my taste. Interesting. Yeah, it seems a little um, a little indulgent and intense, just for intensity's sake, mm. sometimes. And again, it, it is consistently that, which, I mean, is pretty good to its credit, you know? But also, I don't know if that's for me, necessarily. No, I agree. I'll, I mean, this style in general is not necessarily for me, but I can appreciate it for its ability from a technical standpoint. Oh, yeah, technically, especially production-wise, it's very unique and pretty good. So, you know, for all the In This Moment fans out there, when I inevitably score it lower than you want, just remember, technically, love it. It's just not my style, and that unfortunately factors heavily into my score. <laughs> Everything factors into your score. I think we're going through a really strong stretch of the album, honestly. I mean... I agree. Excluding the false start with Fly Like an Eagle and excluding We Will Rock You. I really like the in-between Legacy, Mother, and I really like the next track, too, As Above, So Below. Yeah, second most popular song on the album. Mm-hmm. It was the album's third single, and the title... I did a little research into this. Uh, the title is taken from a popular phrase taken from the Emerald Tablet, which is a Latin relic that's believed to have come from the Hellenistic character Hermes. Huh. Yeah. The phrase itself, as above, so below, is commonly used to relate things that happen up in the stars to things that happen on Earth. So, in like a Hellenistic context, that's like tides, seasons, and astrology. But also, in a more modern sense, people have used it to describe how physics that we determine on Earth can be applied to astronomy and other things in the universe, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, actually, in the early 20th century, after we figured out all the physics and things, it started to kind of develop into more of an occultist term, too, to talk about, you know, an afterlife or an underworld or as above, so below, kind of that way. And in that context, the song kind of takes on this air of being about, like, the abuse of power and how actions come back around, like this dark karmic cycle. And that's especially evident in that chorus, you know, what you reap is what you sow, what you give comes back threefold, like, you're gonna get back what you put out, you know? For me, this song, I didn't really catch a beat. I actually like the kind of vocal distortion overlay thing that they do on this one. Yeah. It's a hit for me. And the kind of long, drawn-out vocal rhythms that they do on the chorus is good, too. It's as above, so below. You know, they kind of stretch out some of the words, and I like it. Very true. I like it a lot, too. I also have to point out, and I didn't mention it even though I noticed it earlier on in the album, the drums on this album yes. are very, very good, especially on this song. Yes, I haven't really delved into the specifics of the instrumentals. I've just been saying they're good, but the drums are carrying a big, heavy load there. <laughs> yeah, especially as the words get drawn out. The drums and the power chords, everything, push the song forward really well. I like this song. I liked the chorus, and I honestly didn't think I had any problems with it until I listened to it a couple times before this episode. And that was the point that I realized this song goes on a little too long. Really? 
I think that chorus happens one or two too many times. And actually, maybe part of my problem with it is we go through this, you know, refrain, right? As above, above, as above, where it's kind of just screamy and distorted. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it feels some kind of way. Uh, but then when we go back into that last chorus, I don't think it peaks enough. I have kind of a you problem where I don't think it hits big enough. Really? Yeah. I know. It's something just about the timing of it. I don't know if I love. And I have to say, outside of the lyrics in like the pre-chorus and the chorus, the verses really don't do much for me here. Really? The verses don't do as much for you? No. I think they kind of leave a little to be desired. I don't know. But, like, is there anything specific that stands out as kind of meh? Yeah, I mean, verse one. I mean, there's only two verses, right? Kind of. We kind of go for parallelism here with, I won't lie, it's tempting. I won't lie, they're empty. Your promises and your stones, that's fine. It's like, okay, but it doesn't really do much for me. Oh, no, I like it. Good. I'm glad you like it. On an album that's not always your style, we'll take anything you like that you can get. Fair enough. Unfortunately, you will not be getting anything on the next song. Born in Flames was not a hit for you? Yeah, um, no, it wasn't. So th- I said on the last one I was a kind of a fan of the vocal distortion. Not on this one. Doesn't do it for me here. Uh-huh. I mean, that's honestly understandable. And I know it doesn't do it for me here because when they get to ver- chorus two and they strip it away and she's just singing normally, a million times better. In fact, the entire second half of the song from chorus two on, they strip it away. And it almost is enough to save the song and give it a honorable mention. But it doesn't quite get there. Wow. So what I think about this song, I mean, it leans heavily into, like we talked about, they're under the metal umbrella. This song leans very heavy into like an electronica kind of metal. Very, I don't know, like not techno metal, but definitely synth driven kind of metal with arpeggiators and like all kinds of things happening in the background with synth sounds. And that's a thing that I've never actually been able to get into much. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of bands that I've listened to that do that and a couple of albums by bands that don't usually do that where they've tried that and I just can't get into it as much. Born in Flames really echoes that. And honestly... It just doesn't move a lot. I think Born in Flames is a little bit of a boring song. I agree. I don't know about boring. Because like I said, it, the se- the first half kills it for me. The second half, I enjoyed quite a lot. And it almost saved the song. But I think it's just tough to put this song after a song that kicks as hard as As Above, So Below. It's okay. Born in Flames is one of those songs that's kind of just here. And honestly, so I talked about just a second ago how much I think we're on a strong stretch of the album with the first couple tracks all the way through track eight, honestly, with few exceptions. The back half of the album is a little harder for me to get into. I agree. And I mean, that starts with Born in Flames. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page. Oh, yeah. I think we will be for the rest of this. Up next, track number 10, double digits, God Is She. This is the one, remember, that the intro interpolates. Yes and I couldn't remember it. You can remember it now. I think this song is a little bit of an exemption from the weaker back half. I know I just mentioned it and then said this one doesn't count, (laughs) but this one doesn't count. It's a very self-aggrandizing song talking about her power as an individual and the influence that she has over people. And it's a lot of like buzzwords. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Silver Scream, just in the way that it's very theatrical, very exaggerated, you know? Yeah. For me, this song was going to live or die by its chorus hit. Well, that's a good thing for you to focus on then, because I think this song does that pretty well. I disagree. Really? You don't like Watch As I Set Fire to Everything? No, it doesn't hit the way I want it to based on what... The verse it has this very bumpy verse where it's kind of... It's I am God and you know, it's very... It's very uh, repeated, you know? It's it's a kind of a pattern to the, to the... Yeah, lots of being. And so I was expecting the chorus to kind of break that moment and kind of punch 
in some sort of way, and it just didn't really do that. Okay, you're right. I mean, the chorus changes, but it doesn't change, no, right? Exactly. Instead of, I am this, and I am that, and I am this, and I am that, it's, watch as I this, watch as I that, watch as I this, watch as I that. And, yeah, okay, now that you mention it, the, lyrically, the chorus does not pivot as much as you might want it to. I think musically it does. Even musically, it doesn't do what I, I, I it still doesn't do what I want. So, you see, it kind of hits this, so it ends on crawling through, and then it kind of bleeds up into, and I actually liked the bleed on the so watch. That was nice, where he's like, so watch, watch. I set fire to everything. It still is smooth. I kind of wanted it to go big, you know, I wanted it to kind of go like more aggressive. It still got that same smoothness, or like that same, um, I don't know, smoothness, but, uh. Yeah, you're right. It's not particularly aggressive. Yeah, it doesn't go aggressive, which is what I felt it needed after all the ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba in the music that was going on. It was kind of like the, the drums were just kind of marching along to the I am this and I am that. And so I was expecting it to kind of. Especially when it got kind of quieter because it goes with the you've been crawling through and kind of bleeds down. And so I expected it to be like, so, wah, bah, 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 and like really hit big on the chorus. And it didn't. Yeah, see, it's not super heavy metal. It's kind of a softer around the edges metal. It's it's aluminum, not steel. It's very interesting. It's a, yeah, yeah, this is a, a heavy aluminum album. <laughs> That actually makes a lot of sense to me, even though it's kind of mostly, you said it kind of like a joke, but also, I think that's a great way to describe this. Like a lot of my jokes, there's a little nugget of truth in there. Yeah. To that point, though, the same way that this song goes, I am this and I am that and I am this and I am that, lots of being, Holy Man, the next track, takes a similar lyric approach. Show me this, show me that is a lot of showing instead of being, but it's the same kind of element behind it, which, uh... And honestly, for me, in Holy Man, it lands about the same as in God Is She. It lands the same, but in the but in like a flip of the script, the things traded places, but the, the score came out the same. Mm. I kind of like the chorus on this one, but the verses left me hanging. Yeah, I can get behind that. And it's the first time on the album that the instrumentals kind of left me hanging a little, specifically on the verses. The chorus still fine, but the verses that doesn't surprise me. The instrumentals on the verses as far as I can recall, are just more or less drums again. Yeah. There's really not much else happening. And again, but not even like meaningful drums. They're just kind of there so that it's not acapella. <laughs> but the chorus picks up with the guitars. Yes. And yeah. Kind of this wall of sound in the chorus that I really like. Yeah, they say chorus is good. Yeah. The score comes out the same, but for opposite reasons. <laughs> and then we run into that same problem that we've seen so many times before where four of the lyrics in the chorus are just the same. Show me a savior. Yeah. Where it could do so much much more lyrical legwork yeah and it just doesn't we really are about to, to listen one more track and i'm about to hit it hard for repetitivity oh this was like the what the harbinger of it you know yeah good word good word it was indicative of a problem that was right around the corner you know <laughs> <laughs> yes oh yeah well we'll get there in a bit i like this song okay enough it's uh it's all right it's all right. Born in Flames was the start of the snoozers. God is she lifted us up out of it. Holy man is really lowering us back down into it. Up next is Hunting Grounds featuring Joe Cotella of the band Dead. D-E-D, Dead. Yes, and they they just waste all of his potential. 
Wow. First of all, did you know that he's Maria's partner? I did. And by I, I mean oh. the mixtaper told me. Oh, okay. Well, he spoiled everything. Yeah, he's he tried to see if there's anything he could do with that. Yeah. Well, I really, first of all, I love his voice. He reminds me of the lead singer of another like former band that I really like. So I like the way his voice sounds. And honestly, I like the way that they blend together. I love the way his voice sounds. I love the way they blend together. So what do you mean by they wasted all of his parts? They wasted the potential... Uh, I first note was, oh, unexpected male vocal. I like. And then, no, they're wasting it because they just repeat one another. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they just sing the same thing back and forth. We know one of us is going down, so I say we do this anyway. Then the other one comes in. We know one. We know one of us is going down, so I say we do this anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? No, yeah. You know, on the course, down in the darkness beneath the light, meet on the hunting grounds down. Down in the shadows, become the night, meet on the hunting grounds down. It's just very similar repetitive lyrics and just back and forth one says it then the other one says it one says it then the other one says it i was like no no what are you doing there's a few moments on like the pre-course the pre-course they sing in harmony on the we know one of us is going down uh, on one of the pre-courses they sing it in harmony and i'm like their voices sound really pretty together yes do they do. do more of that or like when you are doing the back and forth, actually say something different. Yeah. It just, it was like the same, it, not only was it the same lyrics, but like the instrumentals just repeated themselves with that person. Like it was just such wasted potential for a guest vocal. You're right. He sounds good. He could have lyrically done a little more work. This was the one that earlier when I was praising the lyrics, I said, there is one exception where they like, I literally wrote in my notes, <laughs> I said, it's almost like they forgot how words work. Wow, oh, that's a scathing critique. One thing I do have to point out is that very opening line, he, the, the song goes, I've been sleeping for seven moons and now I'm awake. Mm-hmm. Do you know how long that is? Seven months. That's like a long time to sleep. Yeah, hibernation. Side note, though, this is the part of the show where you learn about things you really did not expect to and probably shouldn't learn about while you're listening to a music podcast. Snails can sometimes <laughs> sleep for up to three years. <laughs> I learned. I was like, can anything, does anything even sleep for seven months? Because I knew bears hibernate, but that's not seven months. So I looked into it. Hunting grounds, I think you're right, does just represent a little bit of wasted potential. We see how good it could be. We know how good it could be based on what they did on the rest of the album. Yeah, and it just doesn't quite get there. Nope, no it doesn't. Up next is the next to last track, 13, Lay Me Down. Basically, the idea of this song is lay me down at the grave, but you can't really kill me. It's a song of resilience and persistence. And I like that. There's also just not a lot of lyrics past those first two verses. No, it's again, that that, uh, that harbinger, I'm really going to get as many miles out of that word as i can uh this episode that's the word of the episode yeah that's the word of the episode you haven't done that in a while you used to have one every episode that you'd really lean into <laughs> but that was like in the in the dozens of episodes that was like the teens yeah juxtaposition nailed it juxtaposed yes i used to say juxtaposed a lot you did anyway you know that harbinger it, like i said it was indicative of a problem with the lyrics <laughs> uh-huh lay me down <laughs> Lay me down, lay me down, lay me down, lay me down. You'll never lay me down. You'll never lay me down. Couple of repeats here. It's another song that just doesn't really get anything done for me. Yeah, I agree, mainly because of the lyrics. Um, I said they're really struggling on this back half, uh, but the instrumentals still going pretty strong. Absolutely. And again, the feel is so consistent. Yeah. Even, I mean, Lay Me Down has the exact same feel to it as a song as like Mother. They have the same, the same attitude, the same tone. Same attitude, yeah. They're not the same quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they yeah. absolutely are very consistent across this entire album i'll agree good 
But since neither one of us were too jazzed about that one, I say we hit it on down to the final track. Into Dust. Once again, we pull back some lyrics from God Is She. Yep. Because we just can't get enough of that song. Uh, This song is actually, uh, I mean, except for that interpolation of God Is She, it's a cover of a song by Mazzy Starr, and it pulls in a few more references to other songs from the album, like I said. There's a couple other ones in there. It's a short one, lyrically. You know, only three verses, but it goes on and on to be the longest song on the record. It's six minutes and 41 seconds. It's all that piano. I really like the soft piano, though. I do, too. Like, it fills a lot of time, but I, I enjoyed it. And so they've somehow done this thing where, like, there's not really much soft piano with no, like, the drums are, like, non-existent half the time. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, this is completely different from an instrumental standpoint, but yet, like you said, like you were talking, it's still consistent with the tone, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like it still somehow captures the, the tone and the mood of the rest of the album, even though it does something completely different with the instrumentals, which I think is probably pretty hard to do. Yeah. Well, it's... it's- It certainly doesn't feel out of place on this album in the slightest. My other note for this one was that thematically, as the close of the album, I enjoyed it. But as the song itself, it's hard to get jazzed about just because it's so soft and so lyrically sparse. Yeah, well, what's interesting about it is despite being the longest song, it almost functions as a third kind of interlude because it just it it lulls us out of the album. The the outrolude. Yeah, the outrolude. We had an introlude, an interlude, and an outro. Oh, that's all the ludes. (laughs) That's all the ludes. (laughs) I want one of my units to be ludes, but that just sounds bad. (laughs) I can't do that. No, no, L-U-D-E-S. Apparently ludes, spelled that way, are synthetic barbiturate-like drugs that depress the central nervous system. (laughs) Is your central nervous system depressed? You might have ludes. After listening to this album? It's like a PSA commercial. Like, if your central nervous system is depressed, you might have lewds and be eligible for compensation. <laughs> I think Into Dust is a pretty appropriate way to end the album, honestly. It kind of feels like a good thematic closer. Oh, yeah, because quaaludes or qualudes, remember that's pronounced. I've heard that term. Sorry, I'm still on lewds over here. <laughs> still on lewds, yeah. You know how we should end this episode with Final Spin. Would this be a better place to say, let's spin it? Oh. Maybe this is where I should use my catchphrase. Well, but that's kind of always why we called it final spin yeah but then like that can now be like the segment like let's spin and that can be like when you're like let's move on instead of me just being like sure i can be like let's spin it okay well you can workshop it here too put it in different places see what people respond to the most yeah 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 yeah. i like that whatever floats your boat water whatever cures your lose <laughs> whatever undepresses them <laughs> whatever, whatever sizes up your lose <laughs> sizes Si- I, listen, I got sized up ludes, all right? <laughs> it's so stupid, because now I know you're going to want to use that as your unit, but there's no way that all of that stays in the episode. That is absolutely <laughs> the unit. <laughs> it's a good little mesh of two jokes. It's awesome. I love that. I have a lot of thoughts about this album. Like I said, all the way through, it kind of takes itself a little too seriously sometimes. I think there's a... A point to be made for some of that in a song like legacy obviously taking itself seriously is a really good thing in this cover of we will rock you maybe it doesn't land as 
well for me. Uh, overall, though, let's talk scores. Music, not too bad. I think there are songs where the music kind of lags behind a little bit, but some of them are pretty catchy, especially melodically. Given music a 78. Lyrics are a little tougher to judge. I think mm, as far as repetitiveness goes, they lag behind a little bit. Uh, some of the other ones, like I said, in the in-between, you know, they don't really say much. They're just references to old songs. But other times, again, I have to point to songs like Mother and Legacy that are really, really strong. I'm giving lyrics overall a 60 kind of feels like where it lands for for me again it's a product of taking itself very seriously instruments or production though that's a different story the instrumentation is really solid throughout they're really good instrumentalists and this is really captivating uh, aluminum metal music as you called it <laughs> and the production is really unique to a lot of other albums that we've talked about i'm giving it an 80 and the overall vibe really consistent just remarkably so to the point where it's hard to believe that there are 13 14 tracks on this album and it almost feels just like one cohesive experience and this is an instance where honestly i'd say every one of these tracks is improved by being in the context of this album i think some albums we've talked about work better as individual songs this is not one of them listen to the whole album cover to cover and everything will kind of be improved given the overall vibe an 80 that puts the total score at a 74.2 and that lands it on the ranking spreadsheet right around number 530. A little lower than I anticipated from you. Maybe. Well, sometimes I go low. You were just, well, you were just like, the vibe is incredibly the same. 80. Like, I was just shocked that... <laughs> well, I, I again, no. Uh, it's just the mix of being so consistent and yet also so not up my alley necessarily yeah yeah the it not being your speed is weighing it down it does admittedly takes it a little bit as for my playlist pick i would really if i had both of them i would really love to see mm, the in between as above so below or maybe mother make the cut mm, okay well well we'll see what we end up with after i talk about my stuff do it hit it yeah, uh, I think I mean my opinions relatively well known. Liked the instrumentals a ton. Was really with the lyrics there until until the end when the harbinger struck. Struck. Yeah, it's not really my speed, but like you said, there's a couple songs that like. Well, there's a couple songs that I had clearly. I was like, yes, I like this. I could find myself listening to this. And also, once I felt actually fit the playlist relatively well. I think so too. Yeah. And so I think we'll have a decently easy time picking. Now, do I get all my top threes? I'm all paid up on my debts. Oh, you're far from paid up on your debts. Very, very far from paid up on your debts. You will only get three. Why do I only get three? Because you took four from Tina Turner. Wait, four? I always take four. Extra. You took four extra from Tina. I took four extra from Tina? You took eight of ten. I took eight of ten? Oh. You shortchanged yourself on Mixtober. Oh, no. Uh, Okay, so I only get three, so past me really screwed current me i think i'm gonna go with my top three in album order legacy yes nice oh that was a good one too i'd be okay with that on the playlist we will rock you Mm. i know and mother three in a row Woo! you went in a row and i know it's redacted but uh the carnival mention was also in that row so you know either side of it (laughs) so it's like playing a game of battleships (laughs) we have to guess whether you liked as above so below or the in between we will never know we will never know it's redacted yikes well for me if i had my two picks i would take mother 
and Legacy, I think. I'd be fine with either of those, so pick away. Uh, well, if you're fine with one, just do both those? No, I'm not fine with both of those. Oh, oh. I'm fine with either of those. Well, you gave like what you thought yours were, and I was going to give what I thought mine. I thought we were going to try to meet in the middle somewhere on what they both should be. I think if you took Legacy, I'd take As Above, So Below. If you took Mother, I'd take The In-Between. Really? Because yeah. to me, Legacy and As Above, So Below were kind of the two that I felt I didn't want them both on the playlist. I think I'm going to go with Legacy. Okay, I like that. I'm going to go with As Above, So Below. Yeah, all right. I'm sad to see Mother not make it, but it's the way the cookie crumbled. Well, the whole album is named Mother, so in a way, it's kind of still on the playlist. Fair enough. As for my score and accompanying unit. I feel like your unit's already going to be spoiled. How can I not leave that part in there at the beginning? (laughs) Yeah, this one is going to get... Can I make a prediction? Oh, yeah, absolutely, of course. This may be a little harsh. I think you're going to venture into some rare territory with this album. Really? Yes. I think it's possible that you give this a four or a five. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Well, uh, that's my prediction. Anyway, sorry to break the flow there. I just had to make my guess. Well, looks like you're sizing back down because that guess was not right. This one is getting a score of a seven out of ten. Wow. That's surprisingly high. Yeah. Going in at the bottom of the sevens. Very bottom of the sevens. Okay. Below Hank Williams. But I felt it I felt it deserved a seven. What got you there? Above Aerosmith and Rascal Flats and Uh well as we talked about on the Rascal Flats episodes, that one shockingly not as good as it should have been. I know. Aerosmith I debated I debated putting it top of the sixes, still above Aerosmith, but sticking it in the sixes. But I don't know. I just I think it earned a seven. Interesting. For you it wasn't your style of music, but the vibe was so consistent, right? Is kind of what you did, but the vibe still only got an eighty because yeah. it wasn't your kind of music. For me, the vibe being so consistent helped it for me the instrumentals huge part of my score right gotta have good music going behind it with the instrumentals Mm -hmm. and those were remarkably consistent with the drums and the guitar and everything like that the lyrics were for the most part really consistent i quite enjoyed their lyrics like i said it was upper tier lyrics for me in terms of podcast episodes so yeah i think those two things the fact that i could really dive into the lyrics and that there was some good music behind it even though there were certain parts where it was screaming or where it got a little heavy for my taste i think it earned itself a bottom seven and to go with that bottom seven seven sized up lewds to go with it (laughs) sized up Ludes, L-U-D-E-S. Yes, yes. Very important, the spelling. Our ludes are sized up and our nervous systems are depressed. <laughs> yes, so. Very interesting. That's a good unit. I just, what a unit. I can't believe that you like this so much better than the Silver Scream. Yeah. Actually, that's the real surprise for me. I thought you'd be all about the movies. and Oh, I was all about the movies. I just wasn't about, the key there is, right, I'm a big movie guy, but those weren't the movies. Those were songs based on the movies, and the songs based on the well, movies yeah. didn't live up to the movies, in my opinion, I'm, except for those first couple. I think it's just illustrates our different tastes in metal music i definitely like the harder stuff more this aluminum stuff is like okay but no i'm much more of an aluminum metal guy Uh uh-huh seems to be the case hit me with that foil right well hey thanks for tuning in to another special mixtober episode of spin it we hope you like this album mother we hope you like this podcast and we will see you next week as we close out the month with another halloweeny themed episode it's gonna be a blast and you don't want to miss it trust me uh, in the meantime if you're looking for us you can find us on instagram at spin it pod official on twitter at spin it pod and on the website at www.spinitpod.com oh man 
Thanks for what? Uh, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Have a fantastic week, and keep spinning. Uh, yeah, keep spinning. Keep spinning. Uh, James, that's some bad news. Yep, bad news. Okay. You, know, you said you don't want to miss next week, but uh, I'm not going to be able to make next week. What do you mean? Wait, you're not going to be able to make next week? Uh, God, I got I a prior commitment. Well, prior... What am I supposed to do? I can't do an episode solo. Uh, it's Mixtober. I'm not going to do an episode by myself. We'll, we'll have to figure something out. Yes, we will. If only there was an unlikely hero who could save the day. <laughs>